You've got it tuned to 90.3 FM KEXP and streaming all over the world at KEXP.org. I am so excited and honored to have Regina Spector live here at KEXP. Welcome. Thank you so much, Larry. Thank you. And uh, the new album is called Remember Us to Life. And Regina is playing at the uh, Paramount Theater on April 3rd. Got some songs for us? Yep. (laughs) Somewhere below the Grand Hotel There is a tunnel that leads down to hell Take the dumb waiter Sneak through the hall past the boy's shining boots Then left at the courtyard through the old garden Where all the bellhops smoke at the guards And then you run to the old lake house Down to the old lake house Run to the old lake house where it begins Under the floorboards there's a deep well That leads to a spring that sprung up in hell That's where old devils danced and kissed and made their blood packs in the ancient mists and running through forests they screamed in chorus while piercing fair maidens chests with their horns and then they lay in the grass till the dawn came sleeping away till the dawn came lay in the grass where now stands the grand hotel a maitre d' and a fancy chef silver's real liquor's top shelf play some tennis swim in the pool Stroll a garden shady and cool You won't care that the devils won't mind That the devils won't know that the devils are near Somewhere below the Grand Hotel There is a tunnel that leads straight to hell But no one comes up for the souls anymore They come for some comfort and for the dance floor Hiding sharp horns under fedoras Do not disturb signs instead of a chorus They toss and turn till the dawn comes On soft sheets till the dawn comes No one sleeps at the Grand Hotel Room service, mini bar Scented soaps, chauffeured cars Stay a day, stay a week Here's the tunnel, take a peek Just call up your friends at the front desk Any out at the front desk Call up your friends at the Grand Hotel You'll always have friends at the Grand Wiser and a wise 
That's all you need to know All the deaths they got settled And the settlers got cattle But the cattle was rattled By the snakes that were guarding The garden gates And you retired just in time You were about to be fired For being so tired From hiring the one who will take your place All the lies on your resume have become the truth by now And the things that you never did have become your youth somehow You know everything by now Enjoy your Sounds like a threat Enjoy your youth Sounds like a threat But I will anyway I remembered your old but you're younger and smaller So who's gonna call her and say That you're here at last And all the days they were longer And the drinks they were stronger The words we sang wrong But the songs were remembered And time just Regina Spector, live on KEXP. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Songs from the new album, Remember Us to Life. Your first album in four years. Uh, you've been busy during that time, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, having a baby? Yeah, I had a baby. Um, I spent that time being pregnant, then having a baby, then figuring out how to have had a baby. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you how you went about balancing having a baby with writing new songs, uh, putting together the, the new album. I honestly don't even fully understand. I think there was so much like sleep deprivation and confusion involved that um, I just sort of tried to use my time as best as I could and to really be present for both. This is the first album that is all new songs? Yeah, the thing is, so I always write, you know, just stuff between records, but then the way I've made records in the past was I would just go back to this entire kind of 
batch of songs that there are dozens of songs that sort of over the years get accumulated and then I just you know make everything equal and I just pick whatever feels right at that moment but with this record it really just felt like all I wanted to do was just all the songs that I had written since being pregnant and then having the baby they didn't seem to want to be diluted with any of the older songs when you write the songs do you think about your vision for how they might play out in terms of production of them yeah, I mean, well, this is the interesting thing. So when you're writing a song, well, not you're, when I'm writing a song, I don't, I don't know if it's like that for everybody. Everybody's yeah. different. I hear a lot of production in my head, but it's imaginary production. Sure. So it's not, it's not like physical sounds. It's almost like, let's say you see a painting in your dream. Then you try to paint it in real life. You go to like, okay, there was this kind of yellow that was the sun. And you go to just like yellow and it's not the yellow of your imagination. It's just, you have to translate it into the physical world. So a lot of the time I'll have this like imaginary production, but then when I go to make it in the real world, it's like, okay, what is the closest sound to my imagination that is in the physical world? And also then as soon as you start to bring in physical sounds, it's kind of like a dream and you forget the imaginary production. So it just kind of fades. And you can't download it from your brain and record <laughs> right. it and compare. So it just kind of goes away, which is, you know, I just really love how mysterious we all are and yeah. how these things there were like these enclosed capsules. We can't compare anything. There's like no way yet. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe someone's going to figure it out. No, yeah. But it's, you know, it would be really cool for me if I was actually able to record things directly from my mind and see how they compare to what it ends up being. But We'll yeah. work on that. Yeah, see please. If we can get that can next you guys time you work on that yeah. <laughs> for next time I'm here in Seattle? Um, one way that you can kind of do that maybe is through video. And I know on Small Bills, you're the first single off the new album, um, you're riding around on a pink bear, <laughs> and then you turn into a mermaid. <laughs> Was that in your mind when you wrote that song? Um, no. <laughs> no, I, I actually... A lot of the images that were in that video, it was a collaboration between me and Stephen Mertens who animated it. But I told him a whole bunch of images that I really was hoping to have in the video because, and they had been from actual real dreams that I had. And then a few of them were just like based on like childhood memories of like certain Soviet cartoons and certain kind of feelings then... Again, it's like a almost like, you know, if you Xerox copy, a Xerox copy of a Xerox copy. Yeah, that, yeah. I think in a lot of ways, the art that I end up making always seems to be that. It's like a 30th Xerox copy of a Xerox copy, but I'm <laughs> always trying to get it as close to the original inception of feelings or ideas. Wow. Well, um, it, it sounds incredible. And the new album uh, is called Remember Us to Life. Um, full of great songs and, and so much vivid imagery coming out of the lyrics as I listen to the songs. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for producing it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for, for listening in such a generous no. way. <laughs> <laughs> Sad, sad eyes No
I wanted to ask you, since this is your first time here at KXP, I wanted to ask you about your background. Um, you were born in Moscow in the old Soviet Union and moved, yeah. moved to New York City when you were nine years old? Yeah, to the Bronx. Wow. And were you playing um, piano when you were in Moscow? Yeah. I had this amazing teacher, and um, she was my teacher from when I was seven till I was nine. I actually saw her. I went once to Russia since immigrating here. It was in 2012. I, pl I played a show in St. Petersburg and then another show in Moscow. And um, I saw her. For the first time, obviously. For the first time yeah. since I was nine. It was incredible. I bet. I bet. And she just couldn't believe that. I don't know. It was almost like she didn't believe, like, how much I remembered her and, like, how much I loved her. Like, she just was like, but you were just a little kid. And I think that's something that people forget is that um, these entire worlds go on in our minds and... We're a lot more formed when we're kids than we think of when we grow up. You know, we kind of just dismiss it a little bit. Yeah. And I don't know, when I talk to a seven-year-old, I always try to, like, remember, like, no, just, you know, they're not babies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when, you, uh, when you moved to the U.S., were you able to continue playing piano right away? Or was there a break there? Or There was definitely, like, a lull because I didn't have access to a piano 
um, all throughout the immigration process. And then once we got to America, and I didn't have a teacher once I got to America, I sort of had this kind of lost year where I was really, really... I'm actually surprised because I... I should remember this more now because I take it for granted that I could just play. Sometimes I, I don't even touch a piano for weeks. And I, it would be good if I could keep that like starvation for it in, in my mind and appreciate it more. But I was really starved for playing real pianos. And I was, um, I was always just practicing on tabletops and on windowsills. And I had my music and I would... And, um, Whenever we'd meet somebody who um, had a piano at their house, or once we moved to the Bronx, we um, started going to this local synagogue. And th th first of all, there were really nice kind of elderly people that lived there. And th for them, maybe for the last 30 years, the piano was just this place to hold photographs of their kids and their grandkids oh, yeah. on. You know, nobody played it. And so I would just go to their house with all my music and I would practice for two hours. They'd give me cookies and stuff. It was really, that's, it was nice that they would do that. And no, then, that's great. And then the, the synagogue itself in the basement had this really kind of old beat up piano, but um, they let us come with my parents and we'd just go in in the dark and turn on all the lights and they had a little stage and I would just practice in there. That's so great. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. And then eventually someone in the in the community donated a piano to us and they actually brought it these movers brought it up like four flights of stairs and um it was crazy how they I don't even understand how they moved that piano up there but um it was such a sweet moment in the in the Bronx community that it actually ended up in the newspaper there's like a picture <laughs> really? of like yeah there's like a picture of me like smiling with my parents like in front of this piano that's incredible and that it, it was a life-changing event i mean oh yeah having that piano there i'm sure yeah and then i i really practiced well and it coincided with um um me uh getting this amazing teacher in the bronx in riverdale who um also just ended up being one of these um just kind of very kind people, and she ended up teaching me for free. Wow. Even once we could afford it, she, she just wouldn't. She, she kept teaching. Yeah, it's, I don't know, I think that uh, whenever I think about, like, just the state of, I don't know, education or, like, the state of affairs in, in our country, I always think, like, so much, so much good comes from just an individual making that decision like I'm going to Absolutely. just mentor somebody or teach somebody and just taking that time out of their life and what she did was just it changed my life I mean she kind of she in a lot of ways she and her husband they kind of gave me my life just by being these kind people <laughs> like and, charitable and so generous. people yeah. yeah yeah wow incredible yeah. When, um when did you start writing your own songs well Maybe the earliest and the worst songs ever on the whole planet were like maybe around like <laughs> close to 16 probably is when I kind of braved up a little bit. Um, but more like at 17 was like really when I started really trying. Got it. And then you start playing out and, and then fast forward, you're touring with the Strokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like by the time I went touring with the Strokes, I still had never played in a, in a place that had like proper like I never understood how to make a monitor mix cut to like trying to understand how to hear myself at like the Aragon ballroom or giant giant places um 
Once I really decided that I wanted to write songs, I went to SUNY Purchase as my college. I went there because every other college that I'd looked at only had a jazz program or a classical program. And I was like, I don't, I don't fit into either. I just want to write songs. And then because I was so close to the city, I started playing on the Lower East Side and at bars and burning my own CDs and bringing yeah. them in my backpack and like using like every, every relative to like, <laughs> come to my show, please. <laughs> They'll never ask me back. <laughs> I was playing so much. I was sometimes averaging like, 25 shows a month wow. in New York City alone. Like that was without touring. That's yeah. just Brooklyn, Midtown, downtown, Midtown again, uptown, like just running around, just Amazing. saying yes to every show that I could. Yeah. I met Gordon Raphael through playing shows because somebody who'd heard one of my shows contacted him and then he was producing them. So he connected us. I see. Yeah. Wow. I'm still a number one the biggest Strokes fan ever in the whole universe. That's awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what you got on top, I'll take two of that. I'm chasing a story I heard. When I was here last at the back of the class, you pretended you never got lost. Yeah, at the back of the class, in the back of the bus, sitting out at the dance, always saying no thanks. When they see you around, you look down at the ground. But when they walk away, you wish they'd stay.
I have to ask you one more thing. Yeah. Um, since you're you're from Russia and you're an immigrant, I wanted to ask you about the current political climate. Oh, of and, course. Yeah, I mean, and it's like the giant. It's yeah. like the seven elephants in the room. No, it really is of and life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how have you been writing songs since the election or around that time? And have they has some of what has been happening creeped into some of your thoughts there? You know, I mean. It's in my thoughts as a human sure. on the planet, yes. as a human woman of America and of the world. And sometimes I kind of wish that I was maybe like a different kind of artist, you know, because I think some people, they're kind of like that where like something is happening to them and they can really just, this happened and I'm going to write a song about this and it's going to be directly about right. this. But for me, it's almost like this strange thing where like songs from years ago sometimes fit what I feel currently. I might think all this stuff, but instead I will write a song about a dog that's sick or <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or something else. You know, like it doesn't, I guess my art, I can't really like figure out how to harness it with agenda, like whatever happens, happens. And in sure. some way it's kind of comforting for me because I really like mystery and I like interacting with something that I don't fully get. Yeah. And I like not knowing everything about my art. But in another way, like, um, you know, I I wrote, I don't know, The Trapper and the Furrier like a few years ago, but as I was touring, I didn't want it to be a prophecy. And nope, and like, yeah. and and in even like songs like um, Ballad of a Politician, which I had written and it was on the previous records on what we right. saw from the cheap seats. And it was years ago. But basically what I think is that these things just go on, you yeah. know, they always have, whether it was like the czars or the pharaohs or it's even deeper than right now. It's it's human nature. And then within human nature, it's like animal nature, the desire to to conquer, the desire to to just accumulate and have more. And it's just, I don't know, sometimes I feel like it's just this big theater and, and it just swings from from one view of it into another and we just happen to be in this angle. Yeah. And when I really pan out, you know, because I was very, very, very depressed, like extremely depressed yeah. uh, in a lot of ways because I was thinking, God, you know, my parents went through all of this and, you know, they left a country that was really oppressive and really closed and you know, learned a new language and did all of this and, and, you know, 
brought me here and had all this hope. And then I started to feel like, oh, and, and then, and then, you know, it's like, and then the circle is closed and you're back exactly where you started. But in my daily life, and as I meet people and as I, as I travel the world, it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel like it's closed. There are so many people that, that so much want things to get better that, that like I just even like just the fact that I was on tour as it happened it was really comforting because you could just feel it in the halls and in the theaters it was just so palpable like the desire the the upsetness and then the desire for things to get better and that they they weren't resolved for just to be this way that really comforted me and then the other thing that I thought was that a lot of it is sort of bigger than us and you don't get to pick your time period and you don't get to, you know, we have been sort of protected for most of our lives. And like I think about my grandparents, you know, they graduated 12th grade and World War II started. And it was like World War II Russia started where like they were part of the 5% of their yearly graduates that survived. 5% of their year survived. Wow. So... I think about that. I think about all of how everybody was so afraid to talk because they'd grown up in like Stalinist times. And and at the same time, they all went on to have meaningful friendships and families and love in their lives and happiness and kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. And I think when something like this happens, you can't just throw your hands up and just, you know give up you have to start doing the things that like my piano teacher did exactly. you have to start reaching out to people in your community and you could say okay I couldn't get this person elected that reflects my beliefs and my principles and what I want in the world but I can reflect them myself oh you want to be so so giving and so and help with equality and help well help mentor a young girl, help her feel not like she's, you know, doesn't stand a chance, help her not feel the glass ceiling. Don't just sit there retweeting things or clicking or talking in this vacuum and, and, and saying the same thing or complaining. Don't give the airspace and say, oh, did you hear what the crazy man said today? Did you hear what the crazy man said today? And we could spend four years like that. Just, just being like, could you believe it? Yeah. I mean, every day is, could you believe it? I can't, but it's happening. Yeah. So like, yeah. okay, now we just have to start doing the good stuff, like um, reaching out, changing somebody's life. What's going to come for them in 10, 20 years and 30 years. So, you know, doing, yeah. doing the slow build. So well, that's all, my hope. All those actions make such a huge difference. And, uh, yeah. and your performance today <laughs> as well. And I, and I feel like performances like this break down walls. Um, Thank you so much. And I, yeah, it's, it's kind of scary to play like this because I haven't for a minute. I've been playing with my band. Oh, yeah. But this is also really special because um, I, just, I just love playing music so much. It, sometimes even I need a reminder of how to play by myself for people. A trapper and a furrier when walking through paradise and all the animals lay clawless and toothless before them. And all the mothers stepped away from their babies, leaving them open and easy to handle. 
trapper and a furrier when walking through paradise. They took some for now and they got some for later. And they marveled at the pelts, not a bullet hole in them. And they filled up the cages with pets for their children. What a strange, strange world we live in. Good a damned and a wicked forgiven What a strange, strange world we live in Those who don't have lose, those who got get given More, 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 more The owner and a manager on walking through paradise And all their shelves were filled with and on every corner a power presentation And on every floor an army of workers The owner and a manager went walking through paradise And all their charts showed so much promise and progress No sick days, no snow days, no unions, no taxes And they wandered towards home, kings of their castles And the new album's called Remember Us to Life and uh, playing the Paramount Theater on April 4th. Uh, everyone go out and see her. 
And uh, thank you so much for coming into KXP. Thank you, Larry. Yes. <laughs> I'm Larry Rose. Thank you so much. Uh, you're listening to 90.3 FM KEXP, streaming all over the world at kexp.org.